Paul Benevitz was an engineer and a businessman whose interest in UFOs led him to become a member of Arizona's Aerial Phenomena Research Organization in the 1970s. Possibly as a result of what he called his personally funded study into UFOs, which involved him filming and monitoring radio signals from a US airbase, he allegedly became the target of a government misinformation campaign. Join us on Aliens Explored as we delve into the life and times of Paul Benevitz. Aliens Explored is a weekly podcast exploring famous and obscure cases of UFO sightings, alien abductions and other strange events from both a believing and a sceptical perspective whilst keeping an open mind. I'm Stu Jackson, a professional actor and amateur ufologist with a particular interest in the crop circle phenomenon. I'll be debating that otherworldly visitations are real. The truth is out there. And I'm Neil Kelly. I'm a professional actor as well and used to work for the military as an intelligence analyst. I'll be arguing from a more doubtful point of view. I mean, it's all a bit far-fetched, isn't it? Welcome back, listeners, to Aliens Explored, your weekly podcast where we look at extraterrestrial beings where we look at UFOs, UAPs, and we look quite often at the people who investigate such things. I am one of your hosts, Stu Jackson. And I'm your other host, Neil Kelly. How are you doing, Stu? I'm doing very well, thank you. Very well. Still recovering from last week's episode which we recorded five minutes mm. ago. <laughs> five minutes ago, yeah. But our Halloween special, so... Halloween special, yes. <laughs> oh, no, it's not Halloween anymore. Mm. I need to stop doing that now. Um, no, we've got... Uh, mm, that's in, in, our, in our world, it's not even Halloween yet. No. But it will be by the time this... It will have been and gone by the time this goes it out. It will. In fact, when this goes out, we'll be just coming up to Bonfire Night, which is the 5th of November, so this goes out on the 3rd of November. So I'll be uh, far more terrified because of fireworks. Um, yeah. There we go. If you're wondering what I'm talking about, <laughs> this is go back and listen to last week's episode and talk about that at length. Um Yes. Now to loud bangs. Loud bangs. Now speaking of people who uh, have been frightened by the concept of aliens, uh, Paul Benowitz, the UFO investigator, uh, is our subject mm. today. Um, a question I'm often want to ask with you, Neil, on this show. Had you heard of him before? And uh, I will answer as I so often do on this show, no. That's fair. I hadn't That's heard fair. of him before. I think it's probably fair to say there's I think he's... a number of uh, of people in the UFO community who perhaps haven't heard of him. Perhaps, yeah. I mean, he he's um. I mean, his his Wikipedia entry lists him as. His occupation as engineer, businessman, 
conspiracy theorist. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> ah, Wikipedia, yes, that. Uh... So they 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 got his number. All facts um, verified no, on Wikipedia. I... <laughs> um, but also, we're, we're going way back in time to the 1970s and early 1980s, aren't we? So we're going back 40 years. Or when, yeah, um, particularly the 80s, early 80s, um, is when he became mm. um, infamous, I think, rather than just famous. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, there certainly have been movies made on on the theme of what happened to him in fact there's there's one supposedly about him himself called is it called mirage men um mm. where he became he was targeted by the security services for his participation in a in a meeting about ufo's and particularly cattle mutilations allegedly that was a big thing the in the late security so, alleged forces. well uh, yeah, that, that, but that's the story, isn't it? Oh, yeah, they're, they're on to me. I went to this meeting. I'm getting too close to the truth. They're they're gonna they're doing stuff to me. Yes. Well, there are. Well, well. Before we get into that, let's let's talk a little bit about his life uh, before he got involved in ufology. Um, so mm-hmm. he was born in 1927. Um, he was involved in the Second World War. Uh, worked for the Coast Guard as a an electrical engineer, radio electrical engineer um, for the Coast Guard. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you what. Instantly, that put me in mind of um, of of uh, who did we talk about a few weeks ago? Uh, Philip J. Class, of course, who was also an electrical engineer and then became a UFO debunker. Mm. Do you think there's a correlation between electrical engineering and UFOs. Um, there seems well, we we've noticed a couple of coincidences. Um, I don't know. Do people who are more sort of technically or scientifically minded are they more are they more interested in science fiction and by extension more interested in in the strange happenings that might not be fictional is there a, is there a kind of chain of items of interest there that's a that's a reasonable um route to take um i also think it's mm. it's in the kind of the mindset of engineers to want to understand the universe to be able to make sense of everything you know everything out there has a logical explanation is it also in the mindset of engineers to be very unimaginative, to be very much um, no. fact-based? They're, they're not going to entertain flights of fancy. Is that a trait of engineers? It's a trait of certain kinds of people, I, isn't it? The very the, the male brain that won't, won't even read fiction, because what's the point? I, I dispute that really strongly. Um because some of the biggest innovators that the world has ever seen uh, have been engineers with incredible imaginations who imagine marvellous, wondrous things and then go out and build them. I mean, instantly Tesla springs to mind. He had an incredible imagination. He, he was able to envisage yes, but things. Are they, are they 
are they your typical engineer or are they very atypical engineers that they've got this strange combination well because they they can you know, they can apply themselves to the nuts and bolts to the the hard work the science the engineering but they can also imagine and imagine things that aren't currently possible. I mean, one of the I, I'm, I remember it was a big thing. Um, some I remember someone saying, if you want to have an idea about what the future will be like, don't listen to scientists mm-hmm. or engineers. Read science fiction yep. because they're the guys who who can say, well, we can have this and we can have that. Whereas scientists and engineers tend to be rooted in our currently known science or technology. Uh, the example they gave was with, um, there's a cartoon character in, in the United States, less well known outside the US, called Dick Tracy, this detective, and his story is very much sort of 1940s type, but he had a wrist radio, it was the size of a wrist watch, and it'd have an aerial come out, and it would, it would be, <laughs> this catch speech character saying, calling Dick Tracy, calling Dick Tracy. And people at the time said, well, how is that possible? Because to them, a radio in 1948 or whenever it was, was a piece of furniture. You know, it required two or three people to lift it to move it from one side of the room to the other. How could you possibly fit that on your wrist? Where would you put all the valves and all the capacitors and all that you need to make a radio work? Because that's what that was the technology mm-hmm. of the time. Whereas the person who wrote it just thought, well... I don't, I don't know or care how it works. I just know <laughs> that he's got this radio on his wrist. Well, I, I, I can come up with an even better example. I mean, that's a fantastic example. But, of course, hmm. a lot of our listeners will be aware I'm a huge Star Trek fan. And hmm. lasers, as we understand them today, doors that open automatically when you walk up to them, mobile phones are all directly influenced specifically by Star Trek. Um, okay. In, in particular, so, yeah, the automatic door wouldn't, um, kind of with the sensor eye on it, um, there were earlier mm. ones that, that operated on a pressure plate system, but the one electronic ones mm. with the sensor eye, um, that was... Created because somebody saw these doors opening and closing in Star Trek, and wanted to recreate that. Um, but also works out how to make uh, turn a beam of light into a switch. Yep. That when you break the beam of light, you, yeah. Um, you, you, and the you set something also used for security systems. You know, when when you're trying to break into the bank vault, and there's all those. You have to yes. you have to spray light around to um or you have to spray smoke around so you can see the lights and you can climb over them and crawl under and them. And that's a convergence because you know with they're all switches as well. Um, interestingly, hmm. um, but the mobile fa- so one of the earliest um, I'll say non car battery style mobile phones uh, was a hmm. Motorola. It was a clamshell. It was the first ever flip phone. It was a clamshell hmm. phone called the Motorola StarTac. And it was called the StarTac because they wanted to call it the Star Trek because it was the flip communicators in the original series of Star Trek that directly influenced its creation. Um, But they couldn't get the licensing to call it the Star Trek, so they called it the StarTac. There we go. 
Wow. So I would say engineers yeah. with their imagination. Now they've got brilliant imagination. They're, they're people who but then, creatively you know, it, think of solutions to problems. So creativity is like yeah, bags but, of it. But but isn't being an engineer very much about thinking inside the box? That you're you're sticking to what rules you know. It's I don't know. I mean, we're 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 speculating here about the personalities of engineers and whether they are inclined to to flights of fancy. There's a wonderful quote. Um, uh, it was Terry Pratchett wrote it in one of his books that in order to build castles in the sky, you need to have your feet planted firmly on the ground. I like that. Okay, I'm going to have to think about that one. <laughs> but I remember, you know, for instance, it was the fiction writer Arthur C. Clarke who came up with the concept for the, the communication satellite mm-hmm. because when he was a, a bored radio technician during World War Two, he thought, you know, and, and radio communications were limited by horizons, that he thought, well, what if you could bounce a signal off something up in the sky and then bounce, that would go down or maybe maybe up in the sky and hit something else up in the sky and something else in the sky and then come down to Earth where you wanted it. Um, so he tried bouncing a signal off the moon but then realised that the moon's a bit too far away that you need your satellites need to be a bit closer. But he can't, he's credited with come, having come up with yeah. the idea. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so... We were asking the question of Paul Benowitz, like, you know, as an engineer, does that mean he has no imagination? I, I definitely wouldn't rule out him having an imagination as an engineer. Okay. Um, and other ufologists and debunkers of mm. um, uh, Apologies to any engineers <laughs> out there that we've insulted by by <laughs> you, you lack imagination as a, as a necessary function of your career choice. Um, but he will have had his feet firmly on the ground, definitely. Definitely. Um, he didn't become involved in UFOs till he was in his late forties, uh, or at least his mid forties, mm-hmm. um, when he became a member of it. There's a civilian UFO group uh, called APRO. Uh, that mm-hmm. it, oh, I haven't got that in front. Oh, the Aerial Phenomena the Research Aerial... Organization. Okay. Aerial Phenomena Research Organization. They're in a civilian, very much like MUFON. Um, right, and also this was round about the time that cattle mutilations had become associated with UFOs. Uh, they hadn't become associated quite at that specific point. They were, it was it was starting to head in that direction. I think it was the late seventies, mm. early eighties. Well, it was in. In, in 1979, that uh, U.S. Attorney R.E. Thompson and U.S. Senator Harrison Schmidt held a public meeting about cattle mutilations. Um, Paul Benevitz attended that meeting, and uh, he claims that that's when uh, that's when the security services latched onto him and started targeting him for um, for whatever reason. But I mean, it, it does say that. Um, Benevitz then embarked on a, a personally funded study into UFOs, which um, he, be, he reportedly began filming strange lights and recording unusual radio signals over Kirtland Air Force Base. Well, that's that's a real that's that's espionage, mate. <laughs> that's no wonder this is yeah. <laughs> recording radio signals from a nearby Air, Air Force Base. Yeah, that's espionage. 
Well, they'd have to know about it, first of all. Well, if you were, I mean, I don't know how far away he was from it, but if he's sort of sitting out there in the desert with his equipment and monitoring an air, especially if you're going to film strange lights, you've got to be fairly close, haven't you? And then listening to radio transmissions, that's that's, what are you doing, mate? Yeah, but scanners are, I mean, certainly nowadays, um, RF scanners are really to a penny, you know. You can you can get them very easily. I would have thought for a yeah, radio but, engineer, but, even if he had to make one himself, it wouldn't have been difficult. But to be sat outside an Air Force base filming lights over it or, or filming the base. There, there's a thing in this country, in, in England, which is very much misunderstood in the rest of the world. There are people who, who enjoy plane spotting. Mm-hmm. And... Um, yeah, it's like like train spotting. They will go to the they will go to an airport and they will hang around and they will spot planes and they'll have a they'll have these books which have all the serial numbers of planes in it and they they tick them off as they as they see them and that's the you know, they're imposing their little bit of order on their own little part of the world. But of course, then they'll go somewhere like Greece or Turkey and do that or Libya mm. or somewhere like that. And of course. That or even train spotting, you know, that that is something that really is not understood in these other countries. And people have been arrested and on, on espionage charges, face really serious offences. And someone's had to go and explain, no, this this is actually a thing. Yeah, that, that you know, they're, they're not actually passing this information on to anyone. They're just collecting it because it's a thing with them. Yeah, I very recently um, but, had a job yeah. where um, I I portrayed a a plane spotter. So I was very much in that frame hmm. of mind um, for four solid days. Um, well, yeah. yeah, I talked to real plane spotters and, you know, mm. yeah, interesting people. Um, interesting in inverted covers. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, you, you go to somewhere like Clapham Junction Station and you'll see them there on the end of the platform with their notebooks oh, and their the tra- cameras. train spotters, yeah. Spotting trains, not, not plane exactly spotters. The same way. <laughs> not plane spotters. No, you spot them. You know, near the airport. Yeah. Um. So yes, he's okay. He's he's making himself known to uh, the authorities. Um. He mm-hmm. gets involved in a UFO case. Uh, a woman calling herself Myrna Hansen. Um, there was a movie star called Myrna Hansen. This wasn't her. Um, from some time ago, she won the, the Miss USA title in 1953. Uh, the movie star, yes. Who is, so, who is the movie not star the same did, person yeah. we're talking about, to be So clear. this is a different, different Myrna Hansen. A different Myrna Hansen, uh, who had seen a UFO basically pulling it... Well, you, you see the picture behind me. Um, mm-hmm. This idea of cattle being lifted up into a UFO via a bright light, a beam, a tractor beam, if you will. Um, that it, this that particular case is where that imagery comes from. Because that's what she saw, or claims to have seen. Um, yeah, she described a story involving interplanetary visitors, bright lights, and herds of cattle. Yes. Um, and uh, there was a, a particular police officer... A highway patrol officer um, 
a New Mexico State Police Officer and New Mexico Gaming Control Board Investigator, but he was also regarded as the cattle mutilation guy. So everything that came through about that was passed to him. And he, in turn, contacted Paul Benevitz. Oh, that was so, um, Valdez, oh, wasn't it? Uh, Gate. Gabe Valdez, Gabe Valdez, Valdez yeah, yeah, the police, yeah. the police officer. Yes. Yeah. Now, the interesting idea of this woman calling herself Myrna Hansen. Mm-hmm. Um, top tip for any of our listeners: if ever you, for some reason, you need to go somewhere and you need a new identity, um, pick a name of a famous person. Pick a name of a film star. Not, you know, John Wayne might be a bit obvious, but if you go for something like James Stewart or. Um, Jamie Lee Curtis or Jamie Curtis or whatever. Um, yeah, pick a famous name because then people can't Google mm-hmm. you. People people try and look you up and they just get this masses and masses of stuff about the, 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 the far more famous person of that name. Don't call yourself Adolf Hitler or something. Like that. But, anything that would, but also, don't raise call eyebrows, yourself... But... <laughs> yeah. but don't call yourself Stu Jackson so, or Neil Kelly either. Uh, now, I don't want no, to go what, too what I'm much saying is... into Myrna... In, into Myrna Hansen's case because I want us to talk about that as a specific episode because there's a lot of detail in that. Um, okay, I, I just wanted to say though that um, if you if someone has a name that you don't think is their actual name and they happen to share it with a famous person, that's a good clue <laughs> if it's not their real name. That's a way to spot it. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So so. Uh, Paul Benowitz, he he investigates that case and becomes Mm -hmm. increasingly, I'm going to choose my words, incredibly carefully here, he becomes increasingly disturbed um, by what he's hearing about the Mm -hmm. apparent potential for alien attack. Um, And it becomes quite overwhelming to him. Um, hmm. until December 1981 uh, he writes to um, a US senator that he makes some really bizarre or seemingly bizarre claims um, he says he knows the location of alien bases in northern New Mexico um, and we're talking about mm-hmm. Dulce uh, New Mexico. Now, again, people might have heard of um, the Dulce alien base, um, but not heard of Paul Benowitz. It's actually Paul Benowitz who 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 brought Dulce onto the UFO mm. map, as it were. Um, yes, yeah, so he claims that uh, he knew the location of alien bases, uh, one of which in Dulce. Uh, he knew that in this letter to the senator, he claimed he knew that uh, someone in the military had made a deal with the aliens several years ago. And indeed, that is something we actually keep hearing time and again from different sources. Uh, So when we look at Project Serpo, for example. Um, But he claims that this deal gave... um, Gave Native American land away to the aliens, gave cattle away, mm-hmm. and assurance of safety to the aliens in exchange for technology in the form of an atomic-powered ship. Um, he claims that uh, basically the military had abandoned 
development of certain wep uh, certain weapons. He claims that. Uh, Did he say why they'd abandoned them? Were they because they realised they were dealing with something obsolete, or was it just that there were, it was technology that was beyond them? Because the aliens, well, the, and there was an argument between well, the military and the aliens over these weapons. So, okay, uh, the weapons development was stopped, and the people involved in the weapons development disappeared. Uh, hmm. He claims that oh, this atomic uh, ship uh, was thirty years behind the aliens' current level of technology, and that's a very specific thirty years. Doesn't sound like much for something like that. Um, not not for somebody that's maybe hundreds of years ahead of us in in terms of technology. I mean, I, I remember when the, the the Challenger space shuttle exploded. And one of the things that came out about it was that it was very old technology because it takes such a long time to develop something like this. So you, when you go from the drawing board to you finally got, you finally got your completed craft. Yeah, that's that's thirty years later. Hmm. So you know all sorts of new technical new ideas have come along since then, but not incorporated into your unless you're adapting the design as you go along. But then you never finish. I mean, I've worked on. On software programs like that, where there's always something new, and you think, "Well, yeah, we're, we're doing this." And, oh no, let's let's abandon that bit, and we'll do this new thing instead. And it never ends, you know. You just think, "Okay, we, we need to." It's very difficult to control a project when you have got people like that on it, saying, "Oh no, we need to keep up with the latest." Yes, um, we need to. In- the other thing, Paul Benowitz claimed in this letter to this senator, um, is he knew of. Uh, Two adults and one child. Uh, this was in Texas, mm-hmm. <coughs> near Austin, who were a, who, who came close to this atomic-powered ship um, and were um, exposed to radiation from it. And now we're talking about the Cashlandrum affair. We, we are something talking we discussed about in Cashlandrum, which we discussed back in. Oh my goodness. Uh, a long time ago, it seems. Uh, looking back, this is a very long time ago. Uh, it's, uh, it's, I can tell it's you, it's one of our previous episodes. Anyway, uh, you can find it by searching our. It was episode fifty-nine. Fifty-nine. So there you go. Well done. Yeah. So this is a hundred episode. <laughs> we're nearly a hundred episodes on <laughs> since then. But that was a uh, Betty Cash and Vicky Landrum and Vicky Landrum's grandson who were driving home on a lonely road when they. Yeah encountered this craft and uh, suffered burns. Yes, uh, radiation proximity. Um, poisoning, basically, mm. from it. Uh, yeah, so he, he knows that that was um, part of it. Uh, and he knew that the government was quietly paying their hospital expenses as well. Uh, mm. He was also said he'd sent a copy of this letter to the president because he was worried the president wasn't being kept up to date on this sort of thing. Um, so this would have been Ronald Reagan, wouldn't it? Uh, in 1981. That president. December 1981. Yeah, it would have been that that president. Right. Uh, I mean, it's... Yeah. He, he later, a few years later, uh, refers to a 1979 conflict at this, this, this base in Dulce 
where aliens and humans were said to have had basically a, a firefight. Uh, hmm. The Dolce War. The Dolce War, uh, indeed. Um, again, this is, that that's something I want us to do in, in an episode of its own because okay. there's a lot to that. Um, but all his claims are things that have cropped up in other stories and from other sources. It sounds bizarre and incredible and outlandish, and mm-hmm. certainly when you become aware... So, so a few years after that again, so by the late 80s, um, Paul Benowitz did seem to be mentally ill um, as a result of this. Mm. Uh, he he was having issue. There was there was a thing with his wife. I can't remember if he was saying that his wife was was an extraterrestrial or being controlled by extraterrestrials or something like that. Um, mm. And he ended he ended up being hospitalised. Um, yeah, he was barricading himself in his home and things like that. Uh, yeah. End up being hospitalised as a result of this. I mean, not permanently. Yes, he, he accused was... his wife. He August nineteen eighty eight accused his wife of being under the control of the extraterrestrials. Was well, it being in control of the extraterrestrials? I assume that means under the control of, rather than that she was controlling them. Uh, either, yeah, I, I, I seem to recall it was either. An extraterrestrial or under the control of the extra, not in control of extraterrestrials. Mm. That would take some doing, I would mm. um, Yeah. But yeah, I mean, we say it was hospitalized. Now, to be fair, he was kept in for a month and then released, but uh, he was he was given treatment thereafter. He passed away um, only in 2003, so, you know, it's five to another mm. sort of 15 years uh, after that. Now, this, there's a guy turned up in 1989, so a year later, just about, a guy called William Moore, William Leonard Moore, um, author of, um, he co-authored two books with Charles Bullitts, including The Roswell Incident, prominent, a UFO researcher, um, was prominent in the 70s and 80s. He revealed that he tried to push Benevitz into a mental breakdown by feeding him false information about aliens. Um, apparently this was corroborated by a declassified CIA document that claims Moore and another officer of the Air Force Office of Special Investigations, a Richard Doty, were responsible for a disinformation campaign against benefits. Although in this usually a disinformation campaign, you're, you're spreading misinformation about someone. Um, they seem to have been feeding him information that would kind of drive him over the edge. Mm, well, and... I suppose giving him information that could easily be disproved is also a tactic of uh, the UFO disinformation. Yeah, so you'll say something that um, that can easily be disproven or ridiculed. Yes. Yes. Um, there's a chap called Howard Bloom, um, author and journalist, formerly a reporter for The Village Voice, New York Times, um, contributed to Vanity Fair. And he... Uh, in his book, Out There, The Government's Secret Quest for Extraterrestrials, 
He said that the government had sent undercover agents to befriend and mislead Benevitz using counterfeit documents. Mm. Well, the Blooms, it was a husband and wife um, UFO research team. Uh, the Blooms. The, the Blooms. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, mm, interesting. Um, so it's, it's really hard to make. Obviously, the guy did have mental health issues. It sounds like that was heavily exacerbated by the disinformation brigade when it comes to UFOs. Mm. It was it was exploited by the sounds of it. Yeah. But why would they go to such lengths to discredit him to if you know if it was all That's the question. Do you think in the UFO community, there will be, it's largely people who at one point express an interest in UFOs. You know, something's captured their imagination, but it kind of tails off after a bit. Or do you think it's more that there are people who they'll latch onto something and just become more and more and more involved and convinced and whatever, because they would be the ones especially if they're going out filming US filming air force bases and interrupting radio traffic or interrupting intercepting radio traffic you would think yeah this these people are actually involved in something akin to espionage it's um it, it's something that um we all as human beings i think we're all susceptible to this we talked about it a couple of episodes ago as well it's confirmation mm. bias that is the biggest enemy to finding out the truth because, yeah, what happens, it isn't that people become disinterested. They come in with a belief. They'll only take into account information, facts, evidence that supports their belief and they'll dismiss information, facts and evidence that doesn't support their beliefs and they become hmm. more and more entrenched. And every time you try and present people with a different perspective the more entrenched they become. Um, that's that's just a, a so that's, human nature thing. Yeah. Well, and it's how, how cults work as yeah. well. That's how you get people in, you know, lured into a cult. It's how cults a... work. It's how uh, partisan politics works as well. It's, it's how we ended up with Brexit. Mm. Um, you know, that thing that nobody ever cared or, you know, reported on or talked about until we were told to care and talk about it and yeah mm. yeah and then suddenly it's the biggest issue in the world where you know it had been a non-issue for decades mm. anyway that's that's getting by the by um and that yeah. works on both sides of the fence by the way just saying um mm. so it, it is a thing that there are people who because of their interest in ufos like like Paul Benevitz, that, um, yeah, they do get, apparently, if, if this is to be believed, they get targeted by the government. Yeah, they are literally, they're the guy who found out too much, who got too close to the truth. And, um, yeah, they begin a campaign of you know, basically driving him insane. It would seem to be the case here. Making him ill. Would seem to be the case here. Um, of course, we've only got people's word. We've only got uh, testimony mm. to that. We haven't got factual proof 
No, there never is any evidence, just testimony. So that leads us to our final question that we always like to ask Neil. Do you think Paul Benowitz was telling the truth? Do you think he's telling the truth? You might want to watch the 2013 documentary Mirage Man, which is apparently um, is is based on covers that subject. Um, but in the meantime, or perhaps after watching that, um, tell us what you think, listeners. We, we'd love to hear from you via all the usual means. You avoided my question, Neil. Have, and what's the question is that? Do you believe Paul Benowitz? <laughs> Oh, I, I thought you wanted me to ask the listeners. No, no, you? I'm asking you. Um, I mean, I do want to know what the listeners think, but yeah, before we get to that, yeah, I want to know what you think. Um, was he telling the truth? Telling the truth about what? I mean, he, he became convinced of all those things about the mm. the base in New Mexico yeah. and the... Um, I, I believe that he believed it. Mm-hmm. Um, he says, "I know that someone in the military made a deal with the aliens several years mm-hmm. ago." Um, I believe he believes that happened. I'm not sure that I. I don't believe that that happened. I don't believe that our governments have had any contact with with extraterrestrials, as you know. And I'm gonna I'm gonna hold that line <laughs> on this one. Um, I don't think. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't know why he was targeted by the security services, apart from he was involved in acts that, to me, look like espionage. That, um, well, he definitely that, had yeah, his this, phone this right, booked and, and he had um, surveillance yeah. devices placed in his home. That that's that's not under question. That definitely happened. But he was also, yeah, but he was spying on military bases, so yeah, they start spying back on him. Yeah, that's there we go. That's going to happen. Well, for, for I don't. I'm not convinced that it was because he got too close to the truth about U.S. government cooperation with extraterrestrials. Well, I think I think he's he's someone who got close enough to the truth to to convince himself. At which point, you know, hmm. a person would say that they know a thing that not no longer that they believe. But, but I think it was a case hmm. of he believed it because he didn't have the proof. He just hmm. he'd, he'd. We've had this discussion with people before. Someone says, "I know for a fact," when actually yeah. they believe. Yeah, exactly. They have reason to believe. Um, I I think yeah. that's where he was, and I think I think he was. I, I honestly think he was close to the truth, and that's why he had this campaign um, against him that was ultimately successful, I would say. Um, mm. But as you rightly said earlier, we want to know what our listeners think about Paul Benowitz. Um, is there aspects to the story that we've missed, aspects that we've glossed over, uh, or are there? is there more to it, is there less to it? Let us know what you think via the usual means. You can email us aliensexplored at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. And whilst you're at YouTube, give us a cheeky like and hit that notification icon so that you get uh, get notified of all our various videos. Uh, and of course, if you are one of our Patreon subscribers, and all it costs is just £2 a month, then uh, you get access to our exclusive Discord server and you help us to carry on doing what we love and what we hope you enjoy as well. 
join us next time when oh yes we're going to be talking about the crystal schools not the indiana jones movie that was terrible <laughs> but the actual real crystal skulls so don't miss that one uh, in the meantime keep watching all these people who claim to know things because you never know they just might and of course keep watching the skulls take care for now catch you next Catch you next time. Bye-bye. Aliens Explored is a Fiegel Films production in association with Juicy Falls. Music by Darren Mafucci and editing by Stu Jackson. Find us on Twitter and Facebook by searching Aliens Explored or visit aliensexplored.com. <laughs>